My name's Colton. Like Chris uh, said, I'm the youth pastor here at SunWest, and once in a while, I get to be like a adult pastor and preach and be here. So I'm happy to be here. We are closing off our sermon series called Chasing Carrots. Uh, so if you have no idea what that's all about, what it is, is this idea that if you've got a stubborn animal, uh, like a donkey, I heard they're pretty stubborn, uh, and you want to get them to move, what they would do is they would dangle a carrot or something that they would like in front of their nose, so carrot in this case, uh, to get them to move. Uh, but the tricky thing is they never actually get the carrot. Uh, that they never actually get what they're reaching for. So this is what the sermon series has been all about. We've been talking about uh, like money and stuff and comfort, that it's reaching the unreachable. So today we're uh, continuing that series, and we're doing something that I think is, at least it's important to me, uh, and I hope it's important to you guys as well. It is um, the pursuit of approval. Do you like me? No, I wasn't. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for the response. Uh, <laughs> do you approve of me? Right? It's when you're actually looking of approval uh, of people and pleasing people over God. Uh, and let's be honest here just for a second. Maybe with like a raise, uh, raise your hand. Uh, if maybe you're somebody here who uh, you care maybe just a little too much about what people think of you. Anybody here? Raise their hand. Well, there's a few people. Maybe there's somebody who raised your hand because you're like, oh, Colton asked a question, and I feel bad if nobody raised your hand, and you raised your hand uh, because you felt bad for me. Uh, newsflash, you care what people think. Uh, I think this is something that we, we all struggle with to some degree. Um, so there's this, there's this quote that I just wanted to share with you guys um, by Harriet Breaker, and it says this. It says, the disease to please is actually a form of addiction. In the same way that uh, we're addicted to something, there's this, there's this longing, there's this craving for approval, that it becomes part of our life that we actually need it to survive, we need it to live, that this, uh, this disease to please is a form of addiction. It's this desire. So how do we know that we have this disease to please? So I've got three ways that we can kind of tell that we might have this disease to please. Number one is... You're obsessed with what people think. Like I asked before, right? Uh, do you like me? Do you like my outfit? Because I spent hours trying to pick this out for you guys uh, this morning, and I actually like, really wanted to wear these pants this morning. Uh, and I washed them last night, and they weren't dry, and I threw them in a dryer. Uh, so I was like, anyways, I was like, I cared what you guys thought about how I look. Uh, do you like my hair? I got a haircut. Uh, just for this, right? Like we do these things to see what people uh, think of us. Uh, do you like that picture that I posted? The music that I listen to. Are we okay? I sent you a message. I took out my phone and I started messaging you and I asked you to hang out and all I saw was the uh, dot, dot, dot. I saw the bubbles come up and then they disappeared and you didn't respond. Like, is there something wrong? Are we okay? Do we have, uh, is there an issue between us? Right? We care about what people think of us. Uh, and I think for me, some of the times that this happens the most is actually while preaching. You put yourself up here, right? There's spotlights that are shining. Everybody's looking at you. Uh, I remember the first time that I preached, uh, like, it was quite a few years ago. It was like six and a half years ago. And I was standing there, and as I was getting ready to preach, we had Willie Reimer, our founding pastor here at SunWest. He was sitting right over here. And then right in the middle, we had Paul Lowen, who is like 
the head honcho of the AB, Mennonite brother, Alberta Mennonite Brethren, right? He's sitting right here. And then we've got Matt Dick, who's sitting right here. And they all take out their notebooks, uh, not to write down what I was saying, but to write down, like, how I could improve and how I could be better. That's how I felt anyways. I don't know if that's what was actually happened. And you just get, like, it gets in your head and you get nervous. And then the next time I preached, I was talking about Paul and when he got shipwrecked in Acts and there's this one line, and I confused the words and the lettering, and I said, uh, they went without pood for a really long time. <laughs> and those things are just stuck in my head. So that's my, uh, that's my rating for if I'm doing good, if I say pood or not in the message. So if that's it, if I keep my standards that low, then I think everything is going to be okay. But we, we care about what people think. Right after sermons, I typically go, and then maybe it's good, but typically I go and I run to my wife, Angel, and I'm like, how did I do? Did I do good? How many times did I say, um, did I do better than last time? And I go to her like this little puppy just seeking approval. Uh, she's home this morning, so uh, who, wants, who wants to be <laughs> the person who's giving me the approval when I am done with this? Uh, but we care what people think. Another way to tell if we might have this disease to please is you are over-sensitive to criticism. That somebody could say to you in your job, hey, you're doing a great job. Like you knocked it out of the park this week. And we can hear all those things, but all it takes is just that one negative comment. Just that one thing where it was like, oh, you missed the mark. Uh, and we let that run through our head, and that also becomes our reality, right? If you're somebody who plays sports, that happens all the time, right? You really screwed up this game. You lost us that game point. Uh, and that those are the things that stick in our head. They become that reality. My, we've been hanging out lots at a home. Uh, my son, right now, he's, he's on oxygen, and we're supposed to stay home because of flu virus and all these things that are happening. So we're like, well, we'll just keep him home. So we've been watching a lot of Netflix. We watched through, wait, too much Netflix, if I'm going to be honest. There's this one show on there that my wife was watching called Cheer. Has anybody watched Cheer? And Tracy's like, yes! Okay, so what it is, is it follows this cheerleader group, and in there, right, there's lots of people, they're extremely talented, and the, the stuff they do is amazing. So I admit it wasn't just Angel, I was watching too. Uh, there's this one girl in there who's probably the most famous uh, cheerleader in that whole team. And they did this little interview, right? They get you to know the people and hear their stories. And all these stories are like, these people came from broken homes. Their families were like falling apart. And then this one girl is just like, seems to me right away, it seemed like she was just privileged. She's like 1.2 million followers on Instagram. And she gets all these comments of, you are beautiful. You are uh, like, you're the best. You stuck the landing. Like you're doing really great. And as they're interviewing her, she's like, none of that stuff matters. The only thing she hears are the negative. So she can get thousands of positive comments, but all that sticks is the negative, right? Somebody just to say, uh, you're not good enough to be on that team, or you're not good looking enough. Those are the things that even though that isn't really her reality, that has become her re reality, because those are the things that she focused in on. And at first I thought, ah, she's just spoiled, and I didn't really think much of it. But then I started to put myself in her shoes, and I think that's a reality for me too. That's those negative comments that stick, that become our reality. Um, so you're over-sensitive to criticism. Another one is, you have a really hard time saying no. You have a really hard time saying no to people. I've got a quick uh, video clip to, uh, to get my point across. 
I'm a big Office fan, and I feel like every time I come up here, I talk about The Office. Neil Gilbert, he uh, updates our, like our profiles online, and my talk's all about The Office. So I thought, well, I'm going to stay with it. We're going to watch a short clip from the show The Office. The Michael Scott Foundation is still in existence. There you are. I don't think we have finished with my inbox. What's Scott's tot? <laughs> Has it really been 10 years? <laughs> Local businessman pledges college tuition to third graders. <laughs> Michael, why did you promise that? To change lives? No, Michael, why would you promise that? You know, okay, I call the school, cancel, I can't go through with this. We've already rescheduled seven times. Michael, this is a terrible, terrible thing you've done. Well, it's terrible. No. Just terrible. And the longer you put it off, the worse it's going to get. I just, I fell in love with these kids. And I didn't want to see them fall victim to the system. So I made them a promise. I told them that if they graduated from high school, I would pay for their college education. I've made some empty promises in my life, but hands down, that was the most generous. Just tell me it is going to be okay, all right? No! I'm not a bad news person. I bring good news. Like when I promised those kids I'd pay for college. <laughs> okay. All right. You have to tell them. Would you come with me, you know, like old times, instead of... I can print out a new itinerary with Pam's name on it. It's and fine. You Aaron, you're going to go, and you're going to make sure Michael tells the truth. Oh, God. You know what? Could this day get any worse? All right, so maybe some of us are like Michael, where we uh, say yes to too many things, even when we know that can't actually be a reality. What I love in there is he's rescheduled seven times. Uh, he's not a bad news person. He wants somebody else to do it. But what I think is crazy, you know, his motives aren't always bad, right? I think he's a good guy. Uh, but he just made a big mistake. He avoided the conflict. So if we look at it, he, uh, it just goes on and on, and it gets more and more awkward and cringeworthy as you watch it. He goes to the school. Kids are giving him a hug. He still doesn't tell them. They do this, like, dance and this song for him. He still doesn't tell them. He's, like, crying, overwhelmed with emotion. He gets up, and he, like, breaks the news to them that he's not going to pay for their college, but he can offer them free batteries for their laptop. <laughs> And that's it. He had a hard time saying no. Uh, this is something that I had to learn really, really quickly is I just had to learn to say no. As somebody who works with youth and there's all these youths in different schools doing different fundraisers, if I didn't know how to say no, my fridge would be filled with uh, frozen cookie dough and Krispy Kreme donuts. But I had to learn how to say no. Maybe you're somebody like that, that your, your cupboard is filled with girl guide cookies and you keep buying them every single time they come to the door because those kids are too cute, and it's really hard to say no. Sometimes it's important for us to learn how to say no. Um, and maybe sometimes somebody asks you, because I think this one can easily become a reality, where somebody asks you, hey, can you help out? Uh, I'm moving on Saturday. Can you help out? And right away you say yes with a smile, uh, but deep down you're just bitter, and you think, like, I've got nothing better to do. Like, couldn't you have just asked someone else. There's a verse that I'd like to share with you guys in Proverbs 29, 25, and it says this. Fear of man will prove to be a snare, 
And I just want to stop right there, just for, a, just for a second, that the word snare in Hebrew here is actually translated for noose, like a noose for catching animals. It really means uh, a hook, like a noose in the nose. It's a hook in the nose, like a nose ring. They've got this stubborn uh, bull, and we see these pictures all the time, where you've got this bull with this nose ring. Why is that nose ring in there? Because you've got this big animal that can obviously control you, that they grab it by the nose, by the ring, and they can pull it, right, in whatever direction they want. That sometimes people-pleasing is like that. It's a snare. That we've got these ideas for our life and these, these values and these morals, but feel like people-pleasing. If we're just searching after people, all of a sudden we go to work and we're getting pulled in this direction. We become this person. We go home, we're getting pulled in this direction. Uh, we go to a friend group, we're getting pulled this direction. That we're just pulled around from place to place that we don't actually uh, end up doing what we want to do or going where we want to go. It's a trap. Uh, it's not from God. But if we continue to read, it says this, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. Whoever trusts in the Lord will be safe. This weekend is a big weekend. Like Chris said, whatever that was, palindrome or something, I got the word completely wrong. Anyways, uh, not just that, it's actually Super Bowl Sunday too. Who here is excited for Super Bowl? Anyone? Uh, There's a few people. A lot of people that I find out, though, I feel like this is a big day for people-pleasing. You know, I can be honest with you, I don't really know much about NFL. Uh, But I can research it. And I can, like, research the teams that are in there because I actually had to do that because I didn't know until <laughs> yesterday. Uh, the 49ers and Kansas City, Chiefs, right? Am I right? Uh, they're in there. I can also research, like, stats. Uh, who's going to win this game? All because I actually just want to be invited somewhere for nachos and free beer. Uh, it's people-pleasing, right? We just, like, learn whatever we want to learn so that we can fit into whatever group. I'm not an NFL guy, but if somebody wants to invite me over... Uh, for nachos or wings, I'm coming, okay? Uh, there's this one video that I saw on social media that I think fits in really, really well. So we're, this one's just about 10 seconds. Let's watch it really quick. So this is at the beginning of playoffs when his team, uh, the Vikings, when he knew that they were going to lose, what did he do? He switched his jersey. He put on a completely different jersey. I don't know if anybody's sports fans here, but that is like one of the most cringeworthy things I have ever seen in my life. You're giving up, right? Like as a sport, it's not just like, oh, you're there for a good time. It's like you give your heart and soul to this team that you don't just take off your jersey. I'm one of the guys that you pick a team, you stick with that team for your entire life. That's it. That's how it goes. All those Oiler fans suffered for many, many years, and now I saw Jake and Trent. I've never seen them happier uh, than I did this morning when the Oilers won last night. So you stick with a team. I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. And if anybody knows what that means, they're in last place. They're terrible, but I stick with it. Why? Because that's how sports go. This guy. So for me, this is what it's saying for me uh, and how I think it resonates with people-pleasing. We can have all of these uh, morals. We can all have all these values for our lives and the people that we actually want to be. But depending on the group of people that we are with, we can quickly take that jersey off and put on another one. For me, that video is showing it's more than just this guy switching a jersey. It's we can change our entire life to try to please the people who are around us. And that could mean even giving up our values of what we want to be as a person. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? And I think it all really comes down to a lie. 
People-pleasing causes us to lie to others. It causes us to lie to ourselves. And I think it comes down to us actually believing a lie. And it's the lie of lacking. That we're not good enough. That we don't have enough. That where does this come from? The world that we live in is tough. We turn on our TVs and what do we see? We see uh, that it tells us to care more. Care more about the car we drive. More about the job we have. Care more about how your kids behave uh, and the kids that we raise. The world is telling us to a path to a better life is more, 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 more. Care more. Be more. I think, why do they do it? I think it's extremely good for business. But I think it's extremely tough on our mental health. And we see that all over the place. This past week it was Bell Let's Talk Day. You see that all over the place, that this is not good for our mental health. That we're not good enough. We're not funny enough. And the list goes on and on and on. We bought a lie. We bought this lie that we're lacking. Seeking approval of other people, we actually put our own health at risk. Our own values at risk. Our morals at risk. All we want out of this is just a community of people that we can trust. Why do we people please? We want to be liked. We want to get ahead in our job. Uh, We want to actually have a community of people that we can do life with. That if we say something hard, maybe this person just won't like me. We see this in that clip with Michael Scott, and I think this is really important, is why did he do that? He just wanted people to like him. He had a hard time, you see the show, he has a hard time get, having community of people we can trust. We just want people we can trust uh, to like us. So somebody asks us to do something at work, we say yes because we want to move ahead. We want to be a part of that community. We dress a certain way because we want to be part of that community. We just want people we can trust. But there's something, when we people please, the opposite actually happens. The opposite actually happens. That when we continuously tell people what they want to hear, and it's just all fluff, and nobody ever says no or actually tells us something hard, we think this person is just lying to us to get what they want. So in people-pleasing, we're trying to actually gain this community, and we're trying to gain people's approval, but what actually happens is the opposite. Right? All of a sudden, you're somebody that's flaky and nobody can trust because you're never actually having a hard conversation. You're never actually saying the truth. Uh, you're only, only just saying what that person wants to hear. People can read through that. Sometimes we need to actually tell people what they need to hear, and sometimes those conversations are hard. And the worst thing is, is our motives aren't always that bad, right? We might just be trying not to hurt somebody's feelings, trying to be nice, and we just say these little lies and these little fibs. Um, But if you aren't looking, and we put others' needs ahead of our own, and when we actually do that, I think there's something obviously about caring for other people, and that's so good, right? Read the Bible, love your neighbor. Those things are really important. But if we put those ahead of our own needs before we actually take care of ourselves, that can be really difficult. We need to actually take care of ourselves or eventually that catches up to you. When we become obsessed with what they think, now who's they? I think we can fill in that blank in our own lives. Who's they? When we care what they think, we become obsessed uh, with what they think. It's a fast way to forget about what God says about you. When we care about what they think, it's a fast way to forget about what God says about you. When I look around, I see a ton of unique people. And I truly believe that God actually has something to say to each and every one of you. He's got an identity he wants to place on each 
and every one of you in this room. But when you only listen to what people say, we forget it. Gets washed out with all the other noise that's going on. And our lives start to look different. But what does it look like for us to actually put our lives around God and God alone? The Apostle Paul, and he's writing this letter to the Galatians. Uh, when he's writing this letter, uh, he says something really important, to, really important to them. It goes like this. He says, obviously, I'm not trying to win over the approval of people, but God. I want to focus in on this word, obviously. When Paul said this word, obviously, the people in Galatia knew what he meant, right? They knew his story. They're like, obviously, this guy's been in prison multiple times for his faith. Obviously, this guy has been shipwrecked and left for dead. Obviously, this guy's been beaten multiple times for his faith. Obviously, he's been shunned by his entire former friend group, his community group, the religious elite. Obviously, this guy is not serving people. He's serving God. That was obvious. But what I don't think is so obvious for us is this next part, this next part that says, uh, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Sometimes we think we can get both, right? We can please people, and we can please God. But what does it mean to be a servant? Being a servant is actually putting yourself under someone. Right? You can't have it both ways. Either you're putting yourself under people or are you putting yourself under God. Choose. You've got to pick one. In John, I'm going to read another verse. In John chapter 12, uh, it says this. It says, many people did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but... They wouldn't admit it for the fear the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Ouch. Like that, that hurts. When I read that passage, I quickly, uh, I quickly thought of a story. And this isn't a story that I'm, that I'm pleased of. That this is a story that I think comes with uh, some, of that, some of that shame that I don't actually have my life altogether. That sometimes we seek the approval of people more than we seek the approval of God. That we get these opportunities to share about who God is or listen to God, but we think, oh, what's that person going to think about me? This is what was happening in the story. They're like, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he is king of king, lord of lords, but if I say it, I'm going to be expelled from this entire community that I, that I had. Right? They're putting that people-pleasing ahead of God. This past summer, I hiked the West Coast Trail which is about a 75-kilometer hike on the coast of uh, Vancouver Island. That's a long hike. And in that, you're carrying like 45 pounds to 50 pounds on your back. You're walking something like 15, 12, 15 kilometers a day. You're walking on, well, it's just mud. You're walking over roots. You're going on these giant rocks that are slippery. People get hurt. That they say something like 1 and 100 people get evacuated from the trail. Uh, just by somebody getting hurt or something happening to them. While I was walking, and I did this, this trail by myself, but while I was walking, I ran into somebody, and they just asked me a question. I feel like the question was something like, hey, what's the time? And I told them the time, uh, and they're just telling me the story of how this person was waiting for their friend to be picked up by the boat to actually get off the West Coast Trail. And I was like, man, that sucks. Like you put in all that effort, you put in all that work to get that far in the trail just to leave. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's too bad. Like, hope that person feels better. And, you know, like, and I, and I just, like, kept on walking. 
Uh, and as I was walking, I heard the Lord speak to me, and the Lord was like, you should go pray for healing. And I said, well, I was like, ah, are you sure? <laughs> like, if I'm being honest, and I, was, and I was already, like, walking away, and I was like, uh, and I was like, oh, it's just going to be awkward if I turn around and I go and I pray for healing. Oh, like, what if, I, what if I do something wrong? Like, what if it's awkward? What if it's weird for that person? What if they uh, think these certain things about God? What do, they, what do they think about me? Like, are they going to laugh at me later? Like, what's that going to be? And I kept on walking, and I kept on walking, and I kept on walking. And I got my head. And I missed the opportunity. Like, I would love to say, right, that, like, as a pastor, that you have your whole life figured out and together, and you share Jesus with every single person you meet. Uh, it gets in my head. What people think uh, can get into my head. And there's been opportunities uh, that I've missed, and there's been opportunities that have been faithful, uh, and it's this journey. I'm on this journey with Jesus of getting over what those other people think. Like, why did it matter? Like, I, I didn't know this lady. She didn't know me. Uh, she's from a different part of the world than me. Like, wouldn't, would we ever even bump into each other? But why did I care so much about what that person thought? I think sometimes we can, we can get in our own heads even about sharing about Christ uh, and this relationship that we have with him. I think sometimes we need to care a little less about what people think. And sometimes when that happens, uh, we can be called, oh, you're indifferent or, oh, you're cold because you don't care what people think uh, about us. Um, sometimes, right, you have those crucial conversations because you, you just don't care because your identity is coming from somewhere else. I just uh, want to read this, this quote. Uh, and it says this. It says, not caring what people think does not mean you're indifferent. It means you're comfortable with being different. What does that mean for us? Right? That it's not that you're indifferent to the people around you, but what does it mean for us actually to be like, hey, I am okay with being different. And I'm okay with it. I think that's something that's really, really hard to get over. So what are some areas in our life, and I just want to share some areas in our life that we might get stuck into this pattern of people pleasing. So you guys can fill the blank. I think number one is family. We can try to please our family. I grew up in a household uh, where education and sports are really important. And those are really good things. Uh, I remember uh, there are certain times that when I would uh, get good grades, there was a reward. When I get bad grades, there's a punishment. I remember when I was in grade six, I had to go to a family gathering with my report card and go and show my family uh, that I failed math. Because uh, I, there's, sorry, you might think, oh, yeah, your parents are really <laughs> mean. They're not. Uh, I love my parents. What I did is, like, I just didn't care. Like, I had an attitude. Like, it was, uh, I deserved it, okay? Uh, but I have these ideas in my head that it's something that I'm actually still trying to get over, that I don't realize that there's things that I still do today to try to seek the approval of my parents. They don't even know that I'm like, if I can just do this, or if I can just, then my parents will love me. And there's this, it's deeply embedded in my head that there's this people-pleasing for my family. I think another one is friends. As somebody who works with youth and somebody who was a youth uh, at one point, that it depends, and I see this all the time, uh, depending on the people group that you're with or you want to be a part of, you change as a person. Like maybe you're trying to fit in with this crowd uh, and you're like, I know for me, 
growing up, it was like really baggy jeans were the cool thing. And then if that was cool, then that's what I was doing. And I was hanging out with these people and I was talking to those people that I changed the music that I listened to so I could fit in with those people. The way that I talked changed. And then it went from really baggy to really, really skinny jeans. Uh, and then I went on this side and I was like, I started listening to this music, started being like working in with this people that we change dependent on the group that we're with. And that, that continues as we get older. You go to work uh, and you're this person at work. You're this person at home. You're this person with this friend group. And we change based on the people that we're with. Another one is your spouse. Maybe you're trying to people please your spouse and just telling them what they want to hear. Uh, that you looked at your finances and you realized, oh, our finances are uh, way tighter than I thought, but I don't want to have that conversation in risk of us actually having a difficult conversation in a fight. Maybe when your spouse asks, do you look good in that outfit, uh, you say yes, even though you know that's not true. Uh, maybe that's, <laughs> that's the only one person's laughing. Uh, <laughs> but maybe there's these, com- these conversations that you know you need to have, but you're not having them because you're afraid of what they're going to say. Maybe we people please our kids, our children. And this is one where I was like, nope. I'm going to be that strict parent uh, that's not going to let my kid get away with anything. And then my daughter, Lucy, looks at me with those eyes, and I'm like, you can have the world. Just take it. Take it all. Uh, Then I, like, cut her food. I blow on it so it's not hot. Uh, You do all of these kinds of things that you're like, oh, at this point, she could probably do these things on her her own, but I'm going to do them for her because I still want her to need me. Does that make sense? That's That's a hard reality. Uh, that you've got these kids that are 35 and still in your house, uh, and you're doing their laundry, that you're doing everything for them. Why? Uh, there's like this deep, there's actually like a deeply rooted thing of people pleasing that you want them to want you. It's hard to actually let them go off on their own and the risk of actually getting hurt. Uh, maybe it's at work that your boss asks you to work another weekend. You say yes, even though you haven't spent time with your family in a month. Resentment starts to build up at work, but not just at work. Resentment and starts to build up in your home. Maybe you have a hard time saying no. Maybe you're taking on other people's work. Because if I don't do it myself, then uh, it's not going to get done properly. And we can try to people please to try to get this new position at work and try to work up uh, the ladder. Here's a big one for me. People please myself. Uh, Working with youth, and especially in the first uh, few years, and this still gets me now, is I've got these expectations of what I wanted youth to look like, right? I wanted this, this many kids. I wanted them to respond this way. I wanted things to go this way. And when the night didn't go the way that I wanted to, uh, I'd be up all night thinking about it. I'd be stuck in my head that I'm trying to please these uh, expectations that I have as a person. And what did it leave me? It didn't, didn't leave me anywhere. It's only when we actually give up what we think can we actually move forward. And lastly is God. I think we try to people please God, as, as crazy as that sounds. We open up the Bible, and right away as we look through it, it's a, it's a list of rules, right? Uh, do this, don't do this, do this, uh, that it becomes quite often, it becomes this list of rules that we try to do to gain our spot in heaven. We look at the disciples, and they're talking to Jesus, and they say, uh, who's going to be on your right, and who's going to be on your left in, in heaven, on the throne? They're looking for a position in heaven. Uh, that that, when that is our motive, uh, we're not, it's, it's not what God has intended for us. 
This is one, even as a pastor, I just want to say it up front. Uh, it's okay to say no to the church. Uh, it's okay to say no. Uh, sorry, by the way that I mean by that, I'll, I'll explain. That one seemed a little. Uh, it's okay if you're completely busy, you're stressed out, you're close to burnout. Somebody asks you to volunteer in this one thing. You know, it's okay to say no. I've seen time and time again where people have burnout because they just don't know when to say no because they're like, well, if it's a church, then God's asking, and if God's asking, how can I say no? Um, It's not a list of rules. We don't gain favor in heaven by following these rules. We gain favor in heaven um, by just resting in who God is and what he has done for us. Uh, There's this verse that I was reading in my devotions uh, this week, but before, yeah, before I get there, uh, somewhere along the line, we believe the lie. I believe that the, the root of sin uh, is believing a lie. The root of sin is a lie, or at least not believing the full truth. When we look in Genesis, right away in Genesis 3, Uh, The evil one comes in and is trying to get them to believe a lie or at least get them to believe something that's not the full truth. Uh, That you're not good enough. There is a lie of lacking. That if just, if you became like God, then you would have enough. And they believed this lie. And they started to become like God. They wanted to be like God. But what does it look like for us uh, to actually replace that lie with truth? That our motivation is no longer this unhealthy approval of people or this unhealthy approval of God, but what does it look like if we actually just rest in our relationship with him and our identity comes out of that? So in this verse, I was reading my Bible and my devos this week and, and I came upon this one. It says, For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines our motives of our heart. So who are we? What does the Bible say we are? Uh, what does it look like for us to replace those lies of lacking or those other lies that we believed in our life? What does it look like to actually replace them with truth? And there's some truths that I feel like God is wanting to speak over some people here today. And number one is, um, oh, there we go. Uh, the truth, number one, is you are enough. There is nothing you can do in this moment to make God love you any more or any less uh, than he does right now. You are enough. You are created in his image, which means that you are a child of God. You are a son son and daughter of God, that there is nothing you can do right now uh, to make him love you more. You are enough. Number two, uh, you are worthy of love. You are not lacking. You are worthy of love. You're worthy of love not because you are good and you did the right things or you said the right things that you please enough people. Uh, You are enough not because you are good, but you are enough because God is good. Uh, You are worthy of love. Number three, uh, you are forgiven. I think sometimes we need to hear that. Uh, When we sin... And we believe these lies that they can get in our head and they can start to actually create uh, these actions out of it. That when we try to please people, that we give up our morals, we give up our values, that we become somebody that we're not, you're forgiven. God wants to place that identity on you. 
that what happens when we sin, we actually create this own wall around us, uh, this own barrier. We create this own prison around us, and we aren't actually who God intended us to be, and we get this prison gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and we feel like we've got to fit inside this box. But what God has said is you are forgiven, and in that you are free. You are free to be who God has created you to be. And I just want to pause and just let that sink in for a little bit. I'm just going to read those things again. Uh, you are enough. You are worthy of love. And you are forgiven. So what happens when we actually believe that? Right? We're no longer afraid of what people think because I know who I am. I am his. I'm not going to obsess about people's opinions of me. The only opinion that now matters is God's. I'm not going to keep, I'm going to keep driving that rusty old Jetta. I don't need to get something new. I'm going to keep, uh, I don't need to buy the nicest clothes. I don't need to work myself to death. I don't need to be the life of the party all the time. I don't need to accumulate debt for a nicer house. I'm good where I'm at. I'm confident with who I am, and I can let those negative comments roll off. I'm okay to say no and set up healthy boundaries in my life. Uh, so I just want to pray. Lord, we pray that you free us from the lies that we believe. Lord, I pray that you speak truth into our lives in this space right now, that we are enough, that we are worthy of love, that we are forgiven. Lord, free us from this, these prisons that we have created. Uh, we ask for your forgiveness, that we can be free to live in who you say we are. As a child a son, and a daughter of you. Lord, we pray for healing. We pray for healing for those times uh, that we've become a different person to try to please those around us or to say a different thing or avoid a difficult conversation. Lord, I, right here, I want to confess and I want to say sorry for the times that I've had an opportunity to share about you uh, that I didn't because of what I thought other people would think of me. You are enough. Uh, you are moving. You are healing and you are changing lives. So Lord, I just pray, heal us uh, from this disease to please. I'm going to invite our uh, prayer teams uh, to the front. Uh, if you would like to receive prayer for anything, it might be something that Colton was talking about that stirred in your spirit. You felt uh, God nudging you. Uh, this would be a great opportunity to respond. Maybe during worship when we were talking about Jubilee and you might be in a season of sorrow or grief or, uh, or pain and you're looking to God for resolution or healing and, uh, and we believe he wants to bring heaven to earth and, uh, and we would love to pray for you and invite God into your story. Um, just a reminder that we have a baptism class after service as well as starting point number one, uh, week number one. Oh God, uh, let me pray you and for you. Father, we thank you uh, that you have named us. Lord, we thank you that we get to be your kids. Uh, when you look at us, you see son, you see daughter. Lord, sometimes we know that in our heads, but it doesn't make that uh, one foot journey to our hearts. And so we end up uh, looking for affirmation, for acceptance and compromising 
things that are important to you and us in that process. And Lord, we just uh, ask that you would allow the truth of who you say that we are penetrate our hearts. Lord, that we would be free as we do that to say yes to the things you're calling us to say yes to, to say no to the things that you're calling us to say no to, uh, and to live fully as children of the King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a great week. See you Friday night for the burn event.